Is your spouse truly a mystery that can never be understood? Maybe not. Join us today as our coach, Michael Warden, dives into the inner workings of each of us using the power of the Enneagram. It's an episode filled with ahas, ha-has, and a few no-ways. The Legendary Marriage Podcast begins now. If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Every couple wants to have a great marriage, but the trials and challenges of life pull us in different directions. So we talk with amazing couples who share their stories and incredible experts who share their wisdom about building a life together. And at the end of every show, we give you a conversation starter so you and your spouse can build more intimacy and connection in your marriage by having conversations that matter. Welcome to the show. This is episode 121. So whether you've been listening a long time or whether this is your first time, welcome to the family. Yes. Hey, you know, since we recorded this episode, I feel like we've been more understanding of each other. I I think so too. And it's kind of weirded me out a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. It's too peaceful. So uh, we're going to roll to it in just a second, but this episode this week it's is about really... about the Enneagram. It's about the Enneagram, and what it is is uh, another like peek behind the curtain of our lives, because we just uh, went through this assessment with our coach, uh, Michael Warden, who's been on the show before, and so you all get to listen in on our coaching the session. bag of cats crazy that is <laughs> Danielle and Justin. In a, in a whole new kind of a way. And just a little bit about the Enneagram. It's a personality test. It's not trying to box. Assessment. Right. It's not trying to box in people, but it really just like opens up a pathway to self-discovery and personal awareness. Um, and, and it really just opens your eyes to some of those subconscious ways um, of how you act and react and make decisions yeah. and certain patterns that show up. And um, like you said, it's it's not about putting people into boxes. It's about uh, laying out a landscape and going, here's here's where here are some of the tendencies and the things that are in the landscape of your life. Now, how do you want to move forward from here? Right. And, I, and I love Enneagram because it, it creates this wide open, spacious place to explore. And um, it, it's revealed which uh, numbers on the Enneagram we are. Mm-hmm. And Mike dives into just where do we overlap? Like where are our strengths? Where are our, quote, room for improvement? Okay, so here's the deal. Before we roll to the interview, mm-hmm. to, the, to the recording, um, if you're listening and you're an Enneagram nerd like Danielle is, eh. take a moment and take a guess at two, as to... Our numbers? Our numbers. <gasps> and then, you know, drop a comment on the <laughs> Facebook page I or in the group. It. And if you're right, let us know. Oh, my gosh. You're not right. You're not going to put us in a box. <laughs> All right. So our friend, Michael Warden, he's our coach. He's been a regular on the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Yes. He's an author, um, coach for faith leaders, as well as founder of the Brave Heart Intensive. Yes. Leadership coach Michael Warden breaks down the results of our Enneagram assessment. Woo! We dive headfirst into this this tool and the very specific insights it gives us not only about ourselves, but about each other. According to the results, we break down our strengths and challenges as a couple. Turns out we are some sort of volatile super duo. 
I know. I think Volatile that man. should we get that on a t-shirt? <laughs> Volatile <laughs> super duo. People will be like, what? All right. Well, let's get to our conversation with Michael Warden. All right, Mike, lay it on us. How dysfunctional are we really? <laughs> Any, I mean, Enneagram-wise. Like, Enneagram-wise. Yeah. Uh, Enneagram-wise, everyone is dysfunctional and everyone is brilliant at the same time. So uh, you've, got all, about it. Yeah, you've got all that going on. And that, I mean, I know you guys probably have given a description of the Enneagram. What I will say about it relative to other assessments and personality types is that it is, it is complex and it's designed to be complex because it's not designed to box you in. It's designed to open you up and to show not just kind of where you are, but also what's the arc of your growth toward wholeness. So, um, so I know you both had some time to look at the results. You both took the assessment through integrative nine that I, um, you know, that I shepherd and I use. Um, and so I want to just maybe do some very high level, just saying, here's what you are that I like, we kind of see it together. And then I'm curious to know where your curiosity goes with it just right off the bat. So, um, and I think I understand like part of what we want to do today is just for you to understand yourself better and your spouse better, and maybe look a bit at how your types interact both collaboratively and in conflict and Mm -hmm. how you might smooth those things out or make them work even better. Yeah. Yeah, And I want to just say, especially, I feel like I don't think I grew up with any fours in my sphere and Justin is a four. So I feel like I've, I've always been a a student uh, of fours of Justin and I'm continually a student because I don't feel like I have any other practice other than being a disclaimer. I don't know what it is, but I'm just owning that. I'm right. just right. throwing right. out there. By the way, and it's a good thing too, because the fours are the most misunderstood type on the Enneagram. Of course they are. That's right. Of, co- of course we are. And I'm going to cop to it. I'm also a four. So, so the notion of four, the reason we are is because we have trouble understanding ourselves. Uh, and so because of that, we have a lot of difficulty being able to convey what's happening inside us to other people. And that makes us more confusing to everyone else. Mm-hmm. Plus, I think we secretly kind of like it. We like that we're mysterious and we like that we're hard to figure out. Maybe a little. I don't think it's that secretive. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we're already talking about the four, Justin, we'll start with you. And um, All right. your type, you know, dominant is a four. Um, and like I said, the fours, well, they're known as the creative, the individualist, the, the uh, romantic. They're the ones who want to be different and long to belong. So both of those things operate as a polarity in a four, where if, we, if a four sees the crowd going left, the four wants to go right, but then worries that it's not ever going to be known or belong or loved because of that. So, um, so that's part of the fourishness of a four. And then also the other part is that fours have this very deep inner life. There's a lot going on under the surface, under the hood all the time, way more, always way more than a four ever reports. So, so whatever a four is telling you, you can know there's a lot more happening that they're not telling you. And a lot of that has to do with not their desire to hide, 
but their um, difficulty in being able to parse out their interior experience and offer it to you in a way that makes sense even to them. So, so they're trying to get you to see it and understand, um, but there's so much happening that it becomes very difficult for them to do it. Um, the better, the more four grows toward like maturity, toward wholeness, the better they are at transcending kind of the, the maelstrom or the whirlwind of their experience and be able to stay in a place of peace and invite you into that peace where you can both look at what's going on inside them. If you think of like those complicated, like artist, creative, those type of people, that's what we're speaking about when we say a four. And right. so that's what... And, and, and I, gotta, I gotta own something here. Uh, two things. One, part of this has been, I've only really identified or tested as a four in about the last year. Uh, and it was living out of some 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 wounding around that, like like the the not being able to articulate it or or having so much, but and so much beyond what I can share. Like part of the wounding for me as a kid, for a lot of guys, is you're not enough. Like we get some message of you're not enough. You're not really a man. You're not enough. And for me, I, I, like I have that, and there's this this thing out of several circumstances where it was you're too much like enough like you're too much we yep. we're, we don't want all that right and so i withheld i withhold a lot because i don't trust that people can handle it i don't trust that that um that they're ready for it or something. I right. saw that, that in your notes, in your like, in your uh, results, that for you, trust is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Like, so Mike and Justin have had a relationship for a long time. So I, I fully know that you can trust doing this with him. But there was something in the notes that said like, you don't see this person as your equal or they've done something in the past that was somewhat questionable. You totally do not trust anything that they do. Yep. Pretty much. And I was like, bing, that's exactly right. right. Which is interesting in, in our friendship, Mike, and the, the work that we do together, where we, we've, we've had those times over the years where we, okay, wait, we got to clear something here. Like, what's going on? Do I trust you? Do you trust me? Yeah. Let's right. pick swear on it. Right. <laughs> yeah, the fours, fours are... They, they're very protective of their inner life and uh, feel things very deeply. And so they will be uh, selective about who they allow in. And part of that is because they are so uh, terrified that they don't belong and they don't, they aren't worthy. Um, they're a shame type. And we can talk about that later, but so shame is a thing that happens for fours a lot. And that all leads to a very uh, a withdrawing personality that is very self-protective. Uh, or can be very self-protective. I also noticed that there was something in there that said about like, if you were to work with a coach, that a four would be a very comfortable, easy fit for you as a four because they're empathetic and they could draw it out. But maybe sometimes what you actually need is the no-nonsense direct to the point person. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if that's what you kind of sought in me too, is like I could cut through the maelstrom and I could be like, hey, you in there, you come with me, let's do it. It was that and your boobs. That's true. <laughs> like the way she goes, that's true. <laughs> Naturally, that's true. And it still is. That's right. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. One thing though, I will say like nobody is cookie cutter. Uh, fours especially don't like being cookie cutter. And Justin, your results were very uh, uniquely Justin. They, you aren't just, they, I mean, in the sense that you're yourself, right? You're your own guy. So you aren't just a four. You also were high in uh, the eight, the nine, the five and the seven. <laughs> Because he he's all over the place. He doesn't want to be put in a box. So he checked Mega all cats. the boxes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, this actually, I mean, as you mentioned, Danielle, Justin and I have been friends for a long time. And this actually really helped me understand something about you. <laughs> because yeah. what that, when, you have, when you have a high rank in these very different places on the wheel, it really means you have access to stand in and operate out of that type. So... Justin can, he is a four who can go stand in eight and be an eight. And I, I would bet that you guys meet in eight sometimes because you're an eight and he comes to eight to join you. You mm-hmm. also probably meet in seven because you're both high in seven. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, let's go have fun. Let's go have an adventure. What's the next big thing? Let's, you know. Enneagram, like the illustration is kind of a circle and there's these lines connecting in between it. If anybody's ever seen any version of it. In, instead of like like Myers-Briggs where it's like a spectrum where from like extrovert on one side to introvert on the other. It's like you, you're you over here in the 60th percentile of this. Is, it, is the perspective more like stand in the middle and this is, this is the way you're leaning behaviorally, perceptively, personality-wise. You, you stand closer over to the four or lean over that way, but we have all of those aspects. It's a little more like four is your home base. So, yeah. so it's the, the notion is that uh, when I step onto the playing field, I start on the home plate and that's true. So a four will always start in four and then we'll go from four to whatever uh, you choose or whatever reaction pulls you into. But it like you can, uh, can contrast that with someone who's very high in four and maybe a little high in three, but then not so high in the rest. So that person is going to typically present as a true pure four all the time maybe occasionally coming from a place of achievement out of a three you are much more varied uh, and that means you can actually go multiple places around the wheel that has a, both a positive and negative aspect to it the positive obviously is you have a lot of capacity to step in different places and show up in different ways according to the need of the moment and that gives you great access to all kinds of additional creativity that even a standard four doesn't doesn't have access to. Do you hear that, honey? It's a strength. It's a strength. Yeah. Because I I see that sometimes you say like Justin has been given sometimes the moniker of jack of all trades. Like you can step in and be good in pretty much any place. You can function out of different numbers, out of different careers, out of different hobbies. Like he can just step in and be good at anything. And so I think sometimes that muddles like your true make yeah. your true home plate sometimes when you're like, no, no, I, I'm not good at all. I, I can't and, do it all. And when I spend a lot of time in someplace uh, else, like 2018 was a year where I, I spent the entire year living into really a, a different place, more the, the eight area. And it was exhausting. It was killing me. Mm-hmm. Right. That's um, right. 
and the the other part that I that I notice in that in those th- that kind of four part like seven eight nine four you know is is it's part of part of my shadow has always been to to try to be who I think that they think that they want me to be, mm-hmm. and that strength of adaptability also becomes uh, part of how I try to fit in or try to honestly play small. Mm-hmm. Say a little more about what you mean by play small. I, there, there are places, there are moments, there are relationships, there are circumstances where I, I can see how I, I shift over to a different aspect of my personality because it's just easier. It's just easier to be there, to mm-hmm. just play that part than to show up as I really am and really say what I really think and really trust that they can, that, that uh, other people have the capacity to hold space and understanding and, and, and relationship there. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. It, we all use whatever strengths we have at our disposal to survive and to thrive. And so, yeah, perhaps, uh, yeah, to play small. Uh, I do think, though, Danielle is correct that it isn't just that, that there are mm. actually strengths uh, to bear there. One, one of the uh, probably unintended negative consequences of it, though, is that you can seem unpredictable to other people if you're jumping around in different types and then people may not know what to expect uh, from one conversation to the next. And that can Which be... he likes. He likes that, too, yeah. because... On some level. Because he I wants suppose. to surprise people with, oh, look who I am here. Oh, you thought I couldn't do this? You thought I couldn't go there? Yeah, I'm here. Right? Am I right? I'm talking about... <laughs> yes, I'm totally right. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Danielle, is that... How is that for you in the relationship to have him be able to change channels like that? Oh, it makes me proud of him, honestly. And uh, he gets a lot of external, like I think about my mom. My mom glows over your like willingness, your ability to do this or do that. Like if she has any problem with anything in this whole world, who is the first person on speed dial? Justin. It's not me. (laughs) Um, it's like, if I have a problem in this world, I know Justin knows how to fix it or he can figure out how to fix it. She, she doesn't ask her own husband. She asks you. So, I mean, I feel like you're kind of a go-to person for a lot of people that just need to have some wisdom and something. And if you, even if you don't have the wisdom, you can figure it out or you can sound like you have wisdom. Well, <laughs> and, and it's, it, that's so true. I, I, I'm the guy that can, I can see where we're going. I, 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 I can find a way over, around, or through. I can find a way forward. And it becomes particularly unnerving to me when I can't. Yeah, you like, like fall apart. Stuckness, that, yeah. stuckness can totally undo me. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I get to a place where I, I just, the fight, flight, freeze, or sometimes faint kind of responses to stress. You're a freezer. I, I freeze when I can't trust my intuition. Right. Yeah, and that actually speaks to something else we, we mentioned before the recording started, uh, that in the Enneagram is called the tri-type. And uh, what, it, what it essentially is, is that, like the brief version, is that there are three major areas on the wheel, uh, the body type or the instinct type, which is the eight, nine, and one, the heart type or the feeling type, which is two, three, and four, 
and the thinking or head type, which is the five, six, and seven. And what they refer to are these three centers of intelligence that we all have. Like you, when you think about a decision you're going to make, you're like, hey, what do I think about that? What do I feel about that? What's my gut tell me? Right. Those are the three normal ways that we all process things. So for every one of the types, you have you have a strong number or the strongest number in each one of the three different centers. You are a, I believe, two, seven, eight. Um, not th- I mean, not excuse me, four, seven, eight. So what that would mean is that you typically start with your heart and you operate off of um, off of your intuition that's from your heart level, like what you're feeling. Then go to seven, which is thinking, and go to eight, which is gut, which is your instinct. Um, the thing about that tri-type, though, there's a couple of things I'll point out. One is that both seven and eight are high action types. So when you're a seven, you go to, t- you go to action quickly. When you're an eight, you go to action quickly. One, the seven does it from their head. The eight does it from their gut, but they both move to action. So... A four is not that. Four is typically action is the last thing they are thinking about. They're thinking about trying to understand and all that sort of stuff. But they're still intensely creative. So what that means, the the combination of the four, seven, and eight means that you're more prone, even than a typical four, to be more creative, to actually almost... mm, almost as a compulsion like it's like i need to be creative right it's a yeah raising her hands over here like Mm -hmm. sunday morning yeah that that tri-type is called the messenger and why it's called the messenger is because that type likes to go to the very edge of innovation whatever is happening on the edges of whatever creativity is doing in that moment, whatever field they're choosing. They go collect what is the latest, greatest, insightful thing. They want to bring it back and then disseminate it to as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. So that all of that is very much action-oriented. Here's what we need to do. Here's what I need to harvest. Here's how I need to bring it back. Here's how I need to disseminate it. And if at any point along that way, you don't know how to take the next step, it can be very paralyzing for that creative type because it freezes up that compulsion. I, uh, it's, I'm just sitting here marveling at how, like, I largely didn't get into any of the personality assessments until the last few years. Some people don't call the Enneagram a personality assessment, FYI. Sure. Um, but how this tool beyond all the others, uh, has had the ability to zero in on things like that, that, um, in a way that nothing else has. And in particular, eight years ago, at, when I went through Braveheart, identified this value called Kodo, which is, which is right. just a word for movement. Like I, I need relationally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, professionally in every area of my life, I need to be moving forward. And when I can't, I move into uh, withdrawal, isolation, depression, anxiety, and and the forerunner piece too. You say yeah, that in your identity yeah. too, that you're a forerunner. So what Mike said about your tri-type, that totally makes sense. I wanted to say something too. A note that I saw in your reports too said, you're dismissive of decisions that lack creativity or originality. Like if it's not the most creative, the best spin, the most like 
you're like, no, nope, that's no, I'm if, not having that. I, I would say if I don't see it as, as the most wise, best choice or decision, then yeah, I have a real hard time respecting it. When somebody just goes, ah, you know, let, let's go this way. It'll be fine. And not out of a, it'll be fun. But like when there's stakes here, like there, there's, there's people's hearts, people's lives, kids' futures. You have to trust in it too. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting when we were talking about, okay, so if we're talking about working together, you, there was something in your notes, in your um, report that said you expect, now keep this word, expect others to match your emotional intensity. And we had this very conversation this morning. Do you remember this, honey? We were talking about when we brainstorm creatively, he's like, I'm up, I'm psyched. I've got the marker in my hand. I got the whiteboard. I'm like ready to go. And he's like, and then you're just sitting there lounging on the couch, drinking your tea, like just spouting off. No, spouting off ideas. And I said, I can best brainstorm when I'm like still and my brain can think like I it actually is a distraction to me to be standing up, walking around. I feel like you're using this moment to try to go back and win that no. conversation. No, I'm just saying what the report said. That's all I'm saying. Right. Yeah. And you're right. Uh, fours do have sometimes confusing and even to themselves uh, ways of discerning whether something is true or not true, whether someone is true or false. What, uh, like there's a way that fours um, are the most insightful in terms of understanding other people. Like if you sit down with a four, they will typically be able to better understand you and relate to you in a non-judgmental way than any other type. Perhaps a nine can match a four in that, but most other types cannot. However, um, that means that fours become pretty falsely confident in their ability to do that. So they aren't always right. They aren't always reading the reading the tea leaves correctly. And um, so that can create this kind of weird dissonance. Are you sure about that? <laughs> Justin's yeah. like, no, I'm 100%. I don't know what you're talking uh, about. This is no. something we talk about with Justin all the time. His like, what's, if he what's has... The mar- margin of error on that survey? <laughs> <laughs> if he has like the tea leaf kind of situation, I have learned over the years, like after much butting my head up against the wall for and getting a bloody head, Justin reads the tea leaves he knows how to do it he will say that person's cheating on their taxes for example whatever like it doesn't matter and i'm like justin come on no that's crazy how do you know that person's cheating on their taxes like what do you mean and like inevitably like two years later be like oh yep that guy's in jail he's cheating on his taxes you're like what for example all the time real world example first debate for the 2016 presidential election with our current president in the debate I said he's going to win and he's and he's going to get the nomination and win and everybody in the room laughed their butts off at me. <laughs> Justin Justin called it 100% tea leaves. Right. The where it becomes a problem is if uh like there's personal wounding or personal bias that yeah. plays into that. So the the fact that a four is picking up on something is always true. Like they're picking up on something. Their interpretation of it is dependent on how clear the channels are and whether they have a bias or 
some kind of a wounding that might get in the way of that. So that's what I mean is they don't always read correctly, but they can be very stubborn about their how right they are around that. But that's not to say eights don't have their own stubborn streak. So <laughs> I, I disagree. Um, wait a minute. Wait, we'll get to my loud voice later. No, honey, I wanted to say something about this as like, this is obviously something like I couldn't even write it in my notes enough times, like how many times it pops up because it's just part of our regular life is that Justin has this whole world going on in his head. And it was so funny. Like when I read about myself, it was like, oftentimes there's like nothing going on in your head. And just no, look, look at, look at his face. He's like, what you vapid like no. fool no, no, no. no i i think he is shocked I look that word up no you, you don't you, you vapid you i think you are shocked that most people don't have the thoughts in their head the, the volume and the intensity that you do but let me tell you it is true there are people that barely have a thought in their head it is true it's very true very placid very peaceful very quiet in their head very not four. That's not a four, but yeah, many of the other types do. Do you have yeah. a lot of lot like a lot of chatter going on in your head? Sorry, what did you say? I was busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so why don't we talk about you, Danielle, for a few minutes, and then maybe spend my favorite subject. Yes. Okay. Um, so yeah, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> you your dominant uh, type came out as an eight. Um, and eights are the powerhouses. They're powerhouses of the wheel. Um, uh, uh, among, if not the strongest will type, among the strongest will types. And what eights are like, it, what I like to say about eights is, um, it is it is amazingly awesome to have an eight on your team because an eight will go to the mat for you. An eight will fight Amen. to death for you. An eight will stand for you and never let you get hit without them standing in the, in the gap. So they are amazing uh, allies and protectors. Um, and it is awful to have an eight on the opposite team because- They will <laughs> go for the jugular. They will go for the jugular. That's right. Well, the thing is I was in denial Can we about being say... an eight for a long time. Wait, let me say my thing. Um, I was in denial about being an eight. I have a very good friend who was an Enneagram person. And I told her I was a seven. I've tested at a seven, which is the enthusiast and yep. which is one of my wings. But she said, no, 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 no. I'm pretty sure you're an eight. And I, and I was like, no, no, no. I'm pretty sure I'm not because so when females are an eight, they are seen as a. All righty. With that in mind, let's take a short break. You and your spouse could be just one conversation away from becoming soulmates. Whoa, honey, that's a big problem. I know, to make. but I'm making it. All right, but we have been using this one simple, powerful tool for almost a decade. It's radically transformed our relationship and hundreds of other marriages, too. Yes. You see, in the chaos and busyness of everyday life, we all get wrapped up in these five second conversations. Did you take out the trash? What? Did you schedule a doctor's appointment? Yes. Did you get their milk on the way home? What? No. Wait. Who? What? See, Why are you I doing mean, this to we me? We get stuck in those five-second <laughs> conversations. I'm having a little, a little moment here now. 
Uh, but the truth is that more intimacy and connection begins with more conversations that matter. And that's what the Sashay Check-In Guide is all about. All right. So get your free copy of our guide, From Roommates to Soulmates, How to Create More Intimacy and Connection in Your Marriage in Five Minutes Without Awkwardness or Ugly Fights Using the Sashay Check-In. You can get your copy today at legendarymarriage.com slash check-in. And now back to the show. Like right. that is the that is Great. the We're word have to bleep that. that that is the word that comes up when you hear yeah. about female eights. And I'm like, oh, I don't really know. I don't like that. But I feel like now that I feel like the last year or two, I've been embracing my eightness. And it doesn't have to mean that. It could mean you go for what you believe in and you kick butt and you take names. And that's so, right. Yeah. yeah. No, I've heard that from other eights who are women and how they've had to culturally try to moderate their natural, their natural interface with the world so that they can be heard. Um, and it's really unfortunate because strong, powerful women are the backbone of so many things, you know, in our, in our world and in our history. So it's great to have female eights. Um, I, I want to confess I have a particular bias about this. I, I just really like eights. And I think part of the reason is because of their straightforwardness. They're very forthright. You always know exactly where you stand. They tend to, on the one hand, they tend to, to sound uh, extraordinarily hyper-confident. Like they know exact, like they don't want to broker any debate about what they say. They think what I say is true and that's just the way it is. That's not actually true of an eight. Like they sound that way, but they are willing to entertain other opinions if you meet them in their strength. And that's kind of the, like the, if the eights have um, a trigger, it's uh, the idea of weakness or wimpiness or somebody who's all mushy the, in a kind of weak-willed way. They tend to want to crush that or have them like stand up, have a backbone, you know, show up rather than to try to soften to meet that softness that's on the other side and the other person. I think I, I want to like twist that a little bit. Like if, for instance, if you're in a room full of people and the leadership there is perceived by me as weak, I think it's a disservice to the whole group if I don't step up and take leadership. Viva right. la revolucion! Right. <laughs> no, it's not out of like, I'm like, I have any disdain for this person that is not coming across yeah. as strong. It's just, I'm like, I, I know that this could be better. So I'm going to make it better. That's right. No disrespect, but you suck. <laughs> Give me the microphone. That's right. And so that, it's that instinctive confidence that makes eight such a powerhouse. Yeah. Like just what Daniel just said, I know this could be better and I can make it better. That's a very eight kind of statement. Yeah. Um, and so it has this wonderful power in that uh, eights are instigators and initiators of change for the better. They will move mountains for the sake of the greater good, which is fantastic. Um, they also know how to protect the people who are in their posse, as we mentioned. Um, obviously, the downside of eights is all the unintended consequences of that, unintended impacts of that, where an eight can show up and, and have the effect of being very intimidating uh, when they don't mean to be, even if they don't even think they are being intimidating, they just, their presence walking into a room, they can maybe feel, uh, projected intimidation. They don't mean to, 
or their uh, argumentative nature, their, their sense of, I know I'm right, so what's, what's the problem here? And the other people saying, I'm not sure you're right, but not wanting to get into that sort of butting heads debate, uh, which is an eighth sort of natural tendency is to move against things that um, don't agree with their perspective. You know, this is, this is a very typical scenario for me, like where there's, like, let's say everybody's standing in line the day after Thanksgiving and they're, you know, waiting to buy their newest flat screen TV or something like that. And obviously the person, there, there's some uh, injustice in the system. They haven't queued up people correctly, whatever it is. And everybody's looking around like, should we say something? How about you? Would anybody, would you say something? I'm like, what is the debate? I'm saying something right now. This is wrong. <laughs> you should do it like this. And you know, right. where a lot of people have that inner voice that te- like that debates back and forth. Should I stand up to do, say something against this? I don't have the back and forth. I'm just right. like, some people call it decorum. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Like eights can will will. Uh, I say tactfully. I say will, tactfully. No, tactfully for her, right? So sure. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Direct. But I mean, like the notion is, uh, if there's an elephant in the room, why wouldn't I say it's there's an elephant in the room? Right. Uh, it do, it doesn't make any sense to an eight why you wouldn't just say that. Mm-hmm. So the fact that other people are hesitant about it is nonsensical for the most part to. And it's a waste of time. Waste of time. A waste of time and energy to even have that chatter back and forth. Just fix it. Don't waste my time, right? Don't waste my time. One of the things from the report, it was like, this is your meta message. Like the overall, overall message was for me was be honest and forthright and don't waste my time. I'm like, amen. Preach it. Yes. There you go. That's there's something shared there. Cause I remember reading that in mine as well. Oh really? Yeah. Um, and it's either, it's either straight out of four or that eight part that I go to. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I, I, I'm not interested in talking about the weather. I don't want to hear about the, the sidewalk humps, like the stupid, like I want to go to deep stuff. I want to go to things that are meaningful. Like, and it's part of where, where we, uh, yeah. with, with legendary marriage where we say like, let's have conversations that matter. Yeah. Let's cut right. past all the crap. And the and other the stuff, stuff is like just distraction and yeah. whatever. Yeah. Right. That's right. So I want to talk just for a minute about your tri-type as well, Danielle, because it creates its own kind of, um, unique spin on the eightness that you have. So, uh, you were high in eight, two, three, and seven. And so your tri-type actually is eight to seven. And that essentially means you start with your gut, you know, that's your center. So it's like make decisions based upon what your gut tells you, what your instinct tells you and move to action very quickly. That's typically what an eight would do. Yeah. Um, But your secondary is to go to your two, which is the feeling center. It's the relational type. It's the the most relational type on the wheel. Mm -hmm. So what the and also an eight tends to to uh, to integrate or release or soften into a two when it feels safe. So the the yeah. fact that you kind of moved into two means that probably a lot of your like you probably have a greater capacity to be vulnerable and appear um, not always super strong because mm-hmm. of that two uh, capacity you have. 
And then also the seven, which is, uh, let's go have fun. Where's the adventure? Let's be spontaneous. Like that, that kind of wanting to experience life and all of its fullness externally is also there. What this tri-type is called is the free spirit. So. (laughs) Okay. Mike, I do want to hear the rest of this, but here's a perfect example of this. I have a friend, we were having a Christmas party. And she is a friend that she gets sometimes bogged down in like, oh, I've got to get the kids to bed. I've got to do this and that. And then she doesn't end up showing up at things because, but I'm like, I really want you there. So I text her and I'm like, I know you're busy. I know the kids, but, um, I'll see you at the party. The end, end of story. And I'm like, and she said to me, she's like, Danielle, I love you because you make me do stuff. <laughs> exactly. I was like, that is what I do. I make people do stuff, but it's not out of like, I have to be the center of attention and I'm telling you what to do. It's like, I'm, I know you're going to have fun. So I'm telling you that you're going. That's, that's all. right. That's right. And that's a very good example of what I'm talking about, where a pure eight, uh, eights love intensity. And so that's where fours and eights actually meet well, because fours love an internal intensity, eights love intensity of experience, but your intensity is softened a bit by your two and your seven. So it's more about, I just want to have a free, I want to have, be free and have a good time. I want other people to come have a good time with me. No nonsense, no drama, just right. Just be, just be. Right. And you know, when you said I go to my gut first, it was so funny because there was um, a part of the report that said like action, thinking and feeling something like that. And it was like my action score was 52 and my thinking was nine. Nine. It could not be more accurate to that. Like <laughs> if you ask me, like, how do I make a decision? It's almost a hundred percent gut and feeling. Yes. I give almost no thought to Mm-mm. details, facts, whatever, current events, things, history, whatever. It's so over my head. I'm like, you know, it's I, not over your no, head. It's not it's over my not head. in your head. That's right. It's not over my head. I can understand it. It's just that it's not, it doesn't ever occur to me. Like when somebody says, oh, well, you need to research that. I'm like, oh, I got to research <laughs> something. Oh, for the love of Pete. Can I get which, somebody which to do it on could Fiverr be, or something? Could be as simple as saying, type the word vapid into Google and see what the definition is. And she'd still have that reaction. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's in your heart. Right. Okay. <laughs> it's like I interrupted you talking about the tri-tip. That's surprising. Well, no, it, that was pretty much it. <laughs> but it, but I did want to mention that, that you're eight is affected by your tri-type and the way you make decisions. And that also affects the way you guys meet one another. So if you have, you know, your four, seven, eight, and your eight, two, seven. So so you guys, uh, in a way, have a wonderful Venn diagram, like an overlap, where Justin begins in his four, but he quickly goes to seven and eight, where you're also strong, right? So you start in your eight. And I'm in the middle, baby. And you go to two seven, so you can tell. Like when you when you're creative together, the fours and eights are already listed as one of the most creative powerhouses. You guys are even more so because you have the seven eight components that are also present in your. I mean, um, seven and what was your other one? You got so many strong parts. Uh, two seven eight three are where you might meet. So all of those things are strong in you. 
that creates a lot of synergistic creativity. Well, I think that when we work, so obviously we work together, we work on legendary marriage coaching. And when we do work together, I feel like when we're on, it's like, bop, 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 bop. We can go back and forth very well. But then when we hit a sticking point, we are both uh, <laughs> reactive in yeah. our shadow and then we turn on each other right. and it's just the end of the That's creativity. Right. Yeah. That's right. It actually, like when you talk about a hyper creative duo, then it is also the wording used in the literature is volatile, but that like may not be the best word that you'd use. But the notion is that there's, it's like a chemical reaction. So when it's working well, it produces a lot of power and when it's not working well, it still produces a lot of power, but it ends up being directed at each other, right? So yeah. that volatility is there. And generally, like what one place you can begin to look is to notice uh, on the wheel where you go when you step into conflict with each other. Because you, I would imagine eight is a place you might meet in conflict, but Justin is going to move eventually toward withdrawal. Because um, yeah. go into his four and withdraw, whereas you don't have a withdrawal component unless you feel really broken. Then you. Yeah, might- that was something I wanted to ask you about, Mike, because mm-hmm. it was um, there was one that said uh, I think it was about in stress. It said there was like a release point and a stretch point. Right. And my release point is a two, and you, you've been talking about the two, so that makes sense. So the stretch point. I'm not really sure exactly what that's about, but it said mine was a five. And if I have to be totally honest, fives are the most challenging for me because I don't get it. Like I told you about like my, my love of research, you know, like fives are all about, you know, I'm going to really dig into this subject and I'm going to like immerse myself in it. And, you know, this whole deal and almost like it feels sometimes I'm sure when it's unhealthy, like it's almost like reclusive or they put up a wall around themselves, you know, that kind of a thing. And I'm like, I, I don't have, I don't have time for that. Like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know. So that's, it's a challenge when it was so that's your stretch point. And I'm like, what does that mean? Does that mean, I don't know what the stretch is. What it means. So do you have two, the arrows speak about growth. So like when you're an eight, then you, you need to move to two to develop your vulnerability, your ability to kind of relax around people and show your, your soft underbelly as opposed to, I do that. Don't I, honey? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I really love the vulnerability thing and I totally get it. And I, I try to bring that as much as I can. I don't see it as a weakness where in my younger years, I definitely did. Right. Now I see it actually as a strength. So it is. Yeah. And when eights get that, then they really do understand what, how their strength shows up better in vulnerability. Yeah. Um, but like the fear of an eight is to not be controlled by somebody else. And so they tend to not want to show where they are tender or vulnerable because right. they think someone's going to control them. Um, so the five is also a place of growth for an eight, but typically it's, uh, it's called a disintegrate or a stress point because um, when eights are particularly unhealthy, like when they get into a very bad space, they might start looking like an unhealthy five. And that's, an, that's everything you just mentioned is mm. total reclusive, locked away, isolated, kind of locked in your own little world because you've just sort of said, I've had enough and I'm, I'm leaving the game. 
you know, kind of thing. I'm taking my marbles and I'm going home. Uh, sort of like. I see. I right. see. But what's, it's so what's, funny. Like I can do that sometimes, but it's it's usually very quick because I want to go yeah. back into action. It's like right. I, you know, if I find myself in that place, it's an a it's a real alarm for Justin. Like when I get into that five type of place where I'm isolating, he's like, okay, come on, go out, go out with the girls for happy hour, go do this, you know, take some time off work. Like he goes into immediate, like, okay, this must be really serious if you're doing this, because this is not you in any way. Right. Um, That said, the five is actually a great place for any eight to look as a place to grow and expand. And it kind of goes to, what you just mentioned about your tri-type where you typically don't move to thinking, uh, but operate out of your gut and out of your emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, like I mentioned at the beginning of the call where you have these three levels or three centers of intelligence that are available to you. So for an eight, it is sort of like you are plugging into two different centers of intelligence, but not the third. And so, so there's a way that for an eight to become more whole in the way they engage life, they need to develop that muscle of thinking. And that happens in the five. So, mm-hmm. so when, whereas the eight typically will go to a five only when they're under great distress, um, the positive growth there is to choose to actually do that thing that you find so, like type vap it into the computer and see what it means like to to move toward activating your your thinking center because like uh justin said it's not that it's over your head it's that it's not in your head um so that's a place uh for any eight to to grow and it's difficult for them it's the place they don't really want to go so it makes it hard you're not putting your uh, eggs in a good basket if you trust me with details if you trust me with research if you like, I, well, I, there's a part, there's a part, this came up a lot of times in my report was like, you can be like impulsive and I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, that's very true that I, I've been accused of being impulsive yeah. or impatient. That's the other one, impulsive right. or impatient. Right. That's the, right. The the thing I want to add here is it, it it's like, it's not that the details go above your head or, or or anything like that. It's not that, that the idea doesn't, it's, it's simply because you're one of the most intelligent, like brilliant people that I know, (laughs) that I know. Uh, And also we started out a while ago talking about like these, Mike said, these are the two very creative try tips, right? Try Try types. Types. Sorry. (laughs) Try types. And, and I just find it interesting that for so long, um, anytime the word creativity would come up, Daniel would be like, no, nope, not me. No, nope, not creative. Don't have a creative bone in my body. Not creative. Nope, 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 nope. I nope. reintegrated that about three years ago. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's one of those, you are so brilliant and capable. Like anytime I hear you say something like, well, you know, if you if you put all the eggs in the basket on, on me de- with details, it, it's not going to work. Not out. that I'm ca- it's not, not true. capable of it. It's, it's just the- if it's in if you're in action and it's in service of someone you love. Yeah. If it's on it's purpose on mission, it's go time. It's done. I want to know the challenges of fours and eights being married. And you don't already know that. 
<laughs> I want it legitimized. Oh, okay. Now here we go. That sounds a little five-ish. Yeah. <laughs> five-ish. Um, no, no, no. So, uh, so I'll give you a broad, like what the broad spectrum would say. One is we already talked about how creativity is a real positive. Volatility is probably the negative of that. Um, both of you are want intensity in a different form. So eights want an intensity that's sort of out here, fours want an, an intensity of internal experience. Mm. And so that can actually feed off, you might create unnecessary intensity uh, in the dynamic between you at times because you're looking for that. Um, <laughs> um, same is true for your reactivity. So if you yeah. typically go to, like if things aren't working and you go to a reactive place, um, you both want to get a reaction out of each other. Uh, so on some level, and so you might actually create more, uh, volatility than needs to be present in the relationship just because intensity is better than not intensity. Connection is better than not connection. So, uh, so, if the, so it might mean like one drama. Yeah, yeah. One place to look and it. And I'm using the word intensity on purpose because it may not come across as drama, but more like. We're just sort of turning each other up and uh, there might be some place to look there just in terms of why are we doing that and is it in service of our relationship or is it in service of us both feeling something right now that isn't necessarily good for the relationship. That, that's, we, we'll even, we've joked about that as, uh, you know, you, sometimes you, you, have a, you just create conflict just to feel something. Mm-hmm. Like when you're not, on the same page, not um, as a couple, not uh, aligned and, and on mission. Like right. when we don't have a hustle, drama ensues. Okay, I have to share, a, a, this is somewhat on this topic, but Justin, in our earlier years of being married, this is actually something he would use as foreplay. Okay, here's the scene. Okay, I'm like hmm, making dinner, something. Justin will jump out of the pantry at me and scare the bejesus out of I me. I don't jump Stop. out. Oh, yeah. I just I quietly, just... patiently wait inside the pantry. And then when I open it up to like get something <laughs> out of the pantry, shaking his head. he like terrifies me. <laughs> I almost like murder him because it's just an instinct. And He's like, oh, you know, just thinking it's like cute and playful and like, <laughs> okay. You know, I'm like, that you, is so demented. It. It's so demented. You love my demented humor. <laughs> right. Anyways, I've, tried <laughs> to, I've tried to have him curtail that behavior, but it's not always effective. That's right. Yeah. Um, so I will say like one other thing is simply acceptance of the differences in your types. Uh uh, Danielle, just listening to you, I can tell you do largely just understand that Justin has a lot going on internally all the time and that you don't have to match that. It's not your job. It's your job to love him and be his wife. It's not your job to sort of whatever matches intensity around that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, uh, you were right about the need for a four to have some kind of an anchor in the real world. And one of the ways that fours do that really well is by having somebody around who's very direct and no nonsense. There's something about that that we we'll reach for it as an anchor and to go, okay, this is what's true. This is what's real right now. Mm-hmm. So that's something you actually do quite naturally, and it's a gift that you yeah. bring to the relationship. Well, I like that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, before we wrap, 
question that's going to be on the on the minds of a bunch of people, I'm sure. Are there any are, are there any two types that are just like incompatible? Like a nine and a four can't do it. Just get a divorce now. Uh, n- or no. maybe just more challenging than other matchups. Yes, there is that, but there there are no types that are incompatible. Um, every type can move toward health and love any other type very well. The the types that have more challenge than others, uh, like say if you put a nine and an eight together, where you have uh, one person who is just very much into intensity, very confident, very go get them. And then a nine is the peacemaker, the mediator, the one who's in the line saying, do you think we should say something because they don't want to make any waves? That, that could be hard. Um, but they are right next to each other for a reason. So they also, when they work well, they actually need each other quite, uh, they meet each other and need each other quite well. So no, there are no incompatible types. All right. So Mike, I know also there's probably going to be some other couples on here that are like, oh my gosh, I've got to find out more about this Enneagram and like how we match up and all this. Do you have any information for us if we have couples that would like to take it a little further with the Enneagram? Yeah, I have two different options for that coming up. I mean, one is I always have, it's a a thing I do with couples is that I call the Enneagram deep dive and I'll do it just similar to how we're doing it now. Although we'll do it for much longer, like six sessions where we get together and process your results and really map out a way of growth for you as an individual and you as a couple to become more connected, collaborate better, argue better, that kind of stuff. Um, but also coming up, there's a course that I'm doing, a course in a format just like this called, I'm also calling the Enneagram deep dive. That is going to be also a six-week virtual course starting on April 15th. It'll be uh, Monday nights for six weeks in a row at 8 p.m. Central. So you can get it after work and just pop on the computer and join us. And I'm sure I can, I can give you the link where people can learn more about that and sign up for it. It's got Because it's a video course, we have limited capacity. So I'd say uh, don't wait if you want to be a part of that. Um, that's the cheaper option. If you want to do it one-on-one with me, that's obviously a little more pricey, but, uh, it's all the time focused on you and, or your relationship. Great. So can you join it as a single, just an individual or a couple? Absolutely. Yeah. Either way. We already have several people signed up for the course that are, it's just them. So you'll be able to take it and use it whatever way you want. Um, do it because I feel like it was, I'm sure like to our listeners, this is like, oh my gosh, this is like a crazy amount of depth. And, you know, but for me who has like four pages of things that I wanted to talk about, I feel like we barely said anything. So we're we're all about doing things together that, that uh, gives you an opportunity to have conversations that matter. And this is one of those. Oh, yeah. So, We're going to have lots more conversations. Yeah. I've got lots more fodder. You do, too. Yours is in your brain. Mine is in my notebook. But we'll, uh, we'll keep this conversation going, honey. Absolutely. That's right. Well, thanks so much, Mike, for being on the show thanks, today. Brother. Thank you, guys. Man, it's such a pleasure to be with you again. I look forward to next time. Mike, lots to think about there. Okay. Yes. And now the talk about it segment of the show. Each week, we challenge you to set a time with your spouse to have a conversation that matters. Okay. Here's your conversation starter. Do you make decisions from your head, your gut, or your heart? Mm. All right. What's your vote? My vote is gut. I don't know. I think I'm going to have to think about that for a while. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Think and feel. (laughs) 
You're just the whole package, honey. I'm a four. I like to make things complicated. I know you do, honey. All right. If your curiosity has been piqued by this conversation, then you might want to check out Michael's Enneagram Deep Dive course. And of course, we'll put the link in the show notes. Um, You can find all about more what he's doing with the Enneagram and all his other stuff at his blog, michaelwarden.com. All right, that's it for today's show. As always, we're talking about all the hot topics from this podcast and so much more over in our free community on Facebook. So come join the conversation at legendarymarriage.com slash community. You can find this episode and the show notes at legendarymarriage.com slash one two one. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show so we know how we're doing and other couples can find us. All right. Thanks for listening to the Legendary Marriage Podcast. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you, don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.